Welcome to Miniature Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We both worked in ministry for a really long time, and we've just about seen it all. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into the... <clears throat> we're ready... <laughs> Dang it. Can we start over? No! Okay. Finish! And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Special thanks to Alob for our singer music. Guys, I, I like to mess with Chris every so often to just mix it up because every time he gets to that hurts, hopes, and hungers part, like I can see this anxiety just come on his face. All right, Chris, how you doing? Good. You know, I had a very interesting weekend. We had a retreat with our youth. It was excellent. And uh, I, I do this weird thing. When I'm driving, I have the little flosser guys. In fact, I'm holding one up right now. You know these things. Oh, yeah. And so I floss when I drive. Uh, the dentist doesn't actually recommend it because they're like, it could be dangerous. But I won't really floss otherwise. And so I'm driving <laughs> along and I'm flossing and it gets stuck. And I'm like, uh, uh. So there I am with my hand in my mouth and a car full of uh, participants on the retreat. <laughs> so I, I yank it out and I yank one of my fillings out of my mouth. Oh, man. Boom. And it just crumbles. It just crumbles. And so now I'm picking what feels like pebbles out of my face. (laughs) And then the rest of the weekend, like there's this hole in my tooth. Anyways, so I'm there uh, with with a flosser guy, just floss, floss, floss. I go to the dentist. It wasn't a filling. It was a chunk of my tooth. Ooh. And so I get to have I get to have a root canal coming up, which (laughs) which is unfortunate. But they're like, you have to keep it clean. You have to keep it clean. So now anytime I eat anything. I've got to pull a uh, a flosser guy out of my pocket, shove my hand in my face, and like <laughs> I have to kind of really like keep it clean. Got to be almost on the offensive um, yep. to go ahead and and get that stuff out. And it's <laughs> it's a little bit of work, and some people are kind of grossed out by it. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, it's funny because like as you think about that, I, I'm not sure if it's offensive, you know, or if it's an offense or if it's defense because you're you're protecting your mouth from further pain. I'm attacking. Um, I'm attacking are, the food attacking, that's caked in there. You're attacking the food that's caked in there. Hey, I will tell you, like on a side note, the root canal. Like I had, I've had, I think one, maybe two. Like everyone complains about them, and yeah, it's 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 invasive or whatever. But my tooth hurts so freaking bad that the root canal was the best thing that happened to me. <laughs> it felt so, like it felt so good when they took that nerve out, and then my my tooth no longer hurt. And it you've was, got six uh, kids, and that was the best thing that happened yeah. to you. Well, I was going to say that day, that week, or you know, in association with the pain. Sure. Uh, but the root canal was not not near as bad as I expected it to be because of how much pain I was in, you know, before. Good. All right. So, Chris, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was getting out of a defensive stance. So very often in ministry, or what what is what I've seen happening in the church, you know, of late and. Since I've been in ministry for the last 17 years, and maybe it's just in response to the scandals or in response to different things, is we have we have gotten in this stance of, oh, will we get in trouble if we do that? And, and to me, that's a very defensive stance for us to be in. And that's not the stance that, that Christ calls us to be in. So I wanted us to, to talk about the, that today. What is a, what does a defensive stance look like? When is it good and right and um, prudent to protect and then when are we supposed to be on the offensive you know Good. because and i, I want to like actually pull up the scripture and read it you know where he jesus tells peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against you the gates of hell are defensive 
So if we're going to prevail against these gates, if we are going to prevail, if they are not going to prevail, <laughs> then we have to be on the offensive. We have to attack the gates. Well, what does that, what does that mean? What does an offense mean in ministry? Well, I love that because uh, in this culture that we're supposed to build of evangelization, a lot yeah. of times I see churches, especially uh, in the East Coast and things like that, where they're, they're consolidating and, you know, dioceses are going from 200 parishes down to 120 parishes. And, and you hear about these things. Um, and I feel like our church in, in certain aspects is managing decline yep. as opposed to um, going to the ends of the earth to proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I am it's unsettling. I yeah. am bothered by it. And so that, that defensive stance is almost like, how can we go about um, and just not lose more? And it's like, God doesn't call us to not lose. He asks us to go ahead and and get storm heaven with the souls. And so it's like, he wants us to be victors. Like, victory yeah. is our goal. Um, and so so I feel you. I, I hear what you mean in regards to the, uh, the defense versus offense type of uh, disposition. Yeah, I mean, he calls us to go out and win not go out and defend um, where, you know, so I'm just wrestling with that. So the, as I was praying about that this morning, the thought came to me, you know, that an offensive, an offensive faith is often offensive. And okay, so what do you like, mean okay, by that? What, yeah, exactly. What, what does that mean? And so often the polite thing in public to do is to not talk about religion because it's, it can be offensive but we are we are absolutely called by you know our baptism to go out and make disciples go out and the only way to do that is to talk to people about their religion you know like and just sit down and say hey what's going on with with you and god or you know what's your faith life like do you have a church home or whatever i've asked like complete random people this and yeah it can be offensive but the only way that you're going to have an offense is to actually talk about it. What are you laughing at, Chris? You're well, to be bold. Off. Well, I'm laughing because I remember you and I talking about this because I really admire it. You'll go to a restaurant and uh, and that waiter, if he ain't Catholic, he's going to find <laughs> out that he should be by the end of it. And you told me this story and I believe it was a teen that was wearing one of those uh, bracelets, those metal bracelets, which is often associated with the axe retreat. Uh-huh. Like, Tell me about your bracelet. And then. And he's like, okay, great. Let me get your drink order and I'll be right back. And I believe you said uh, your wife was like, oh, Matt, can we just have just a normal lunch? Can we please just have a normal lunch? <laughs> and sure enough, by the end of it, you had given the waiter your business card and said, this card is worth a free lunch. And you yeah. go ahead and you let me know when you want to sit down and we'll talk about where you're at with your walk with Jesus and, and, and whatnot. And you gave him the card and you evangelized. Like it was yeah. it was bold. And he could have been like, that was a part of my life that I've tried to bury. I'm bothered by it. How dare you? And like, is he going to spin on our food? You know, that type of concern, you know. But, uh, but there's yeah. this boldness. And that's what it means to be on the offense. And sometimes bolder people, right? History favors the bold. But sometimes bolder people can kind of step on toes as they're moving forward against those who are, are choosing to re- remain stagnant. Yeah, you know, and so I feel like sometimes we we know the right thing to do. We we see that, you know, hey, the kids are really struggling with this thing that's going on in society. But, you know, I might get some bad calls from the parents if I talk about this. Or my pastor may not like it if I talk about this. So I'm not going to do it. Now, that's a very defensive stance in my mind, you know, to be in when, when God is obviously calling you to, to do something, right. you know, to, to be on the offense, to save his children. 
And, and so what does that look like? How do we do that? So that's a great question. And I want to share, we did a topic last uh, semester for our youth program on the topic of divorce. Now, if you want to talk about landmines, you know, mm, typically you're mm-hmm. going to have about uh, a third of your youth program directly affected by divorce. Yep. Everyone in your church is affected by divorce in one way or the other because everyone knows someone who has uh, experienced or suffered through or is the child or product of divorce in one way or the other. Um, and we knew that that would bother a number of people to go ahead and share clearly the church's teaching and position on divorce. And so we wrestled with it. Like, should we even approach this topic? Would it offend people? And so we had to really sit and think through it. it actually required us to be more strategic to be yep. able to be on the offense here. And I think that's how, <laughs> if you look at kind of battles and how wars are won, the one with the better strategy usually wins, even if they have less resources, but they have the better strategy. So we had to be real strategic about how we were going to be pastoral in presenting this topic. And it was absolutely beautiful. The yeah. Holy Spirit well, was present in so many ways, and there was healing. And I realized that that night wasn't just for the teens in our program, but it was also for the, the ministry leaders, the core team members, the adult volunteers that were there as well. And uh, and healing was started or continued in powerful, powerful ways that I have never seen before in youth ministry because I have never seen that topic addressed in youth ministry because it feels like it would be a landmine. And so you have to be really strategic, I think, is one of the ways to, to be offensive without being offending. Yeah, and and there's a difference between being strategically offensive and being defensive. Yes. And so I think that's where, you know, we need to pay attention. What we need to pay attention to as ministry leaders because we've seen what a defensive stance, you know, in the church does. When when you hide things or when you act like they don't exist or gloss over them or just superficially kind of address them, you, you, you leave a, a church, you know, a body of people thirsting for what do I do in this situation? I haven't heard anyone say anything, so I guess I'm just going to do my best. Right. You know, and, and they end up doing what they shouldn't do because their leader hasn't spoken up. Now, the, like my, um, I was wrestling with this too, the whole idea of offensive, you know, having an offense and being offensive. It doesn't mean that everything that you do that's offensive is an offense, you know, or is the right offense because, uh, like you could be offensive and actually turn people away from God. Absolutely. And that's where I believe that the uh, strategy comes in and there needs to be prudence because when we're talking about it and I use the example of divorce, I don't want the listener to think that this is all about hot topics. Okay. Abortion, same sex attraction, you know, um, Divorce, all these different pieces. Sexuality, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah they, they can be uh, uh, topics that offend or things that you're not supposed to talk about or taboo type of subjects. Really asking someone, how's your prayer life going can be yeah. offensive because they're like, I don't have a prayer life. How dare you ask me? Now I'm embarrassed. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, yeah. oh, sorry, Father. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what What if it is our other yeah. ministry leaders? What if oh, it yeah. is people that we that we journey with? And that's that's hard. So how do you strategically ask those questions? And I know that uh, it's it's one of those things, like you said, when I'm when I'm at lunch or when I'm you know driving anywhere. I it's it's really easy for me to get into a conversation about religion with almost anyone because in a normal polite conversation, what do you do for a living? Oh, you you you've driven Uber for this long, or you do you drive Uber 
you know, part-time and you're a CPA during the day, that's awesome. Well, in normal polite conversation, they're going to ask me, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a youth minister in the Catholic Church. What does that mean? Are you a priest? Can you not get married? And they They, ask all these questions. They start asking all those other questions. And so then it's very easy for me to say, do you have a church you go to? Like, do you have a church home or what were, how were you raised? You know, what did it feel like, you know, when you were raised? And, and those are not offensive questions. I don't think, you know, and and like it opens the door for a, a normal conversation. They are very strategic offensive questions. Um, that aren't offensive. I'm having fun with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fun little play on words. But but we start our podcast out talking about we, we're ready to dive into the hurts, hopes, and hungers um, yeah. that every ministry leader has. And I believe that those type of questions, you know what I mean? Where are you at? With, do you have a faith community? Where are you at with the whole God thing? That yeah. goes ahead and puts them in a context where they're able to go ahead and talk about their hurts, their hopes, and their hungers. And God is a part of all of those. God is the yeah. solution to their hurts. He is the source of their hope or the fulfillment of their hope. And he's ultimately at the depth of what they hunger for. You know, the woman at the well wanted living water, not just uh, regular water, you know. And yeah. so we have this opportunity to stand with them in that area. And sometimes it's too hard to stand there alone. And it, it can be a very uh, strategic way to... Um, have the conversations to steer the conversation towards religion in a way that isn't, I don't know, manipulative or anything like that. But you you can easily talk about work first and then say, oh yeah, are there any other interests? So let's, I'm thinking about a volunteer. So we have volunteers that listen to this as well. So the volunteer, like their day job, you know, is X, Y, or Z. So then how do they get to talk about religion in a, in a kind of fluid way? Very easily after you have the whole conversation about work, do you have any interest outside of work? Is there anything that you do as a hobby or do you volunteer anywhere? And they would share whatever they have and then you get to share yours. It's a yeah. pretty easy way to steer the conversation to, in, an, in a strategic way, in a non-offensive way to talk about that. Okay, so th- this is all out in the world type of conversation uh-huh. that we've been on so sure. far. How yeah. do we as ministry leaders empower the people that we serve or serve with to be successful in having and navigating those conversations. So we could see them on, on a Sunday evening or we get to see them on a Wednesday uh, night or whatever. Um, how do we make uh, context for them to go and to have these conversations? So for me, having those conversations to a certain extent, you have to ask yourself those questions first. So if, if I want the group that I'm ministering to to be able to have a conversation about God in public with someone that they don't know they just met or with a friend they need to have that same conversation with god in the ministry that we're in they need to answer the the questions for themselves right so maybe they're having that conversation with a volunteer they're having that conversation with a peer and uh and so you're helping them practice that conversation and answer the questions themselves so that they're comfortable asking other people the questions because very often we don't ask questions because we don't want them to ask the same question of us. Right. So when, when we don't ask, Hey, how's your prayer life? The whole reason I'm not asking is because mine's bad and And I don't want you to ask me. And I believe that that, that piece right there is what prevents more evangelization than anything else. It comes from an insecurity and from thinking that we have to be Jesus in order to share Jesus. Yeah. And that's just simply not the case. How do we make people feel comfortable needing Jesus? 
You know, yeah. like I am broken too. I don't pray as much as I should. It's really hard and I struggle with this sin. And that's why I love Jesus so much because he meets me in my <laughs> yeah. sin. I need him yeah. so much and he loves me and he loves you. You know, but so often we want to be like, and I'm perfect. I'm a perfect little Catholic girl or a Catholic boy and blah, 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 blah. Like this is things from our childhood yeah. that, that you were rewarded by being good when in fact spirituality is a messy thing. I mean, yeah, well, blood, and, and was, I wonder, blood was dripping off the cross. Like, it was yeah. not clean or pretty in any way, our salvation. I wonder how much of the the fear and asking is this need to be perfect or the need to know all the answers. Like, if I don't have the answers that someone's going to ask me, I'll look stupid. Or my religion will look stupid or whatever. Like, is that is that one of the insecurities that are that are played on there as to why we don't ask? Right. And, and I think there's a flip side to it of if they asked a question we didn't know the answer to, does that give us permission to go ahead and say, that's a great question. Let's journey toward the answer together. And yeah. it's almost like giving them, giving you are given permission to speak into their life or to journey with them in a certain aspect, which would almost make, well, which would certainly make evangelization more effective. Yeah. So our inadequacies are permission for journeying with someone who has questions that we don't know the answer to. Well, and so think about this also, the the whole idea of offense, we haven't talked one lick about sports yet, which is just interesting, you know, but the the sports analogy I think plays here. Your offense gets stronger based on the defense that you interact with. You the know? opponent, so the resistance. If, yeah. If there was, if there's no opponent, your offense is weak because all you have to do is walk down the field or whatever, like whatever game you're playing. Right. If there's if there's a defense that you're going that you're you know uh, running into, and it could be the other person that you're talking to, and they ask a question that you haven't had an answer to, that's a a defense or whatever that your offense is pushing up against, and you have to get stronger to be able to then answer to it. And so you will get stronger. Your offense will get stronger the more that you put yourself out there, and that's that's the whole purpose of it. You know, and I think that we have a number of ministry leaders, uh, myself included, that love home field advantage. Mm. Home field advantage yeah. is Sunday evening when I'm with my youth program because they know I'm supposed to talk about Jesus. They know this yep. is where these conversations are going to happen. It's the away <laughs> game that's yep. a challenge. That yeah. Monday after, when I'm at the grocery store or getting my hair cut, and I see a tattoo on the barber's hand or something like that, and I'm like, "What's that about?" And then he starts talking about you know, A, B, or C, and one of them might be, oh, this is because uh, I, you know, I, I'm gay and I want to celebrate it. So I put this little thing on my, my wrist and it's like, this might be an opportunity to kind of speak some truth right now and kind of even give an opportunity for the church to be represented, not as someone who hates, you know, those who yeah. have same-sex attraction. But, yeah. and instead I sit quietly because I'm not at the home field advantage. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? And so oh, ministry yeah. leaders out there, I want to challenge you guys to be, to take the offense out of your home field, take it out of yeah. your stadium and into the streets as Pope Francis desires us. Um, think about what that means for you and your team to go ahead and have an away game. That's awesome. I love it. Wow. Yeah. I really like that idea. Huh? That's, that may be one of the neat fruits of this, the, the, the away game and practicing that the, I mean, every team that, that goes and has the away game, it, it's harder to compete in not your stadium. And their record no, isn't as good. Your fans. Yeah. Like it's okay. Yeah. Like I think about and maybe this is another thing. We talked about Deadpool last week. Let's talk about Fight Club this week. And so in the yeah. movie Fight Club, they have what they call Project Mayhem. They all had to go mm-hmm. out and do something. And one of the projects was uh to pick a fight and lose. Pick a fight with yeah. someone and lose. Not recommending this. 
What I am <laughs> recommending don't. is that you go ahead and uh, try and share the gospel outside of your parish campus and, uh, and, and keep going until eventually you lose to where someone's like, no, leave me alone. You offend someone. You step on a toe yeah. or whatever. That, that means yeah. that you've gone far enough to where you've learned and grown. And yeah. as ministry leaders, we need to be able to have calloused skin to be able to go into those areas that are more difficult because that's where the lost and the lonely reside. And that's where we're called to. That's where our offense is called to go, is out beyond our boundaries and not just sitting comfortable, like you said, in our parishes, serving those who have come to us. You know, Whether they were forced to come to us or not, they've come to us. And so just, just for quick context, a parish... I know we talk about our parish, St. Joseph's Parish, St. Mary's Parish, all these different things. Though that's that's the church that I go to, and it's actually not a no, parish. Not. A parish is what, Matt? It's a boundary. It's a, it's a it's a geographic region yes. around a particular church, and, and that, so that every church, single soul, every single soul in that parish boundary is the what the responsibility of that pastor, basically, to shepherd. You know, of that parish to reach. And so when we talk about home field advantage, the number of people that are registered in your programs, the number of people that are coming are a small fraction of those that we are called to serve. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You are a missionary. (laughs) You are a missionary as a ministry leader, or you are just at the home field uh, minding the store. You, it's yeah. not maintenance, guys. It's mission. We are called and sent forth. The end of Mass sends us forth. Yeah. And so we have to keep that in mind, and that's what it means to be on the offense. And yeah. there's literally a, a geographical boundary that says, this is your zone. To, to, to uh, you know, the, All your away games happen in this geographical boundary. Go get them. It's, I was trying to think, of, again, more sports stuff, but you know, I'm an Aggie, so 12th man is kind of our thing. You know, everybody in the stands, the students in the stands are ready to get on the field you know, as needed. That's kind of the tradition where it comes from. So is that what it means by this. 12th man? Because there's 11 on the field, and yeah. then every Aggie considers himself number 12? Yes. Do they all get full ride scholarships? <laughs> no, they don't. Um, so that, that idea of we're all on that team, you know, working together. It's not just that team who's doing the work. And very often when you look at the parish, we look at the parish as that's who we're, or sorry, the people who are members of that parish, like who are active members or whatever. That's the the small nucleus, whereas the whole stadium, the whole parish is actually who needs to be reached, who needs to be on that field, who needs to be on the offense. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So... That uh, it's just sometimes it actually can be a little depressing to look at the number of people that are registered in your parish and then look at the just the number of people like look at the latest census data of your parish boundaries. And it's sometimes it's like, wow, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are not being reached by this church community. And it's but that's because we're not going out. We're not being offensive. Yeah. So go to a school play, go to a football game, go to a high school graduation and recognize the number of people from your parish and then recognize that every other person there is also from your parish because they're within your parish boundary and we're called to reach them. And in doing so, it might be confronting some of the patterns or systems of sin in their life. It might be making your own self uncomfortable in order to reach the lost and lonely in areas that you wouldn't normally tread. Yep. All these different pieces are what it means to be a church that doesn't manage decline, 
but that win souls for the kingdom of God. Awesome. Guys, we're going to ask you guys on the Facebook page, what are ways that you've found being offensive, being on the offense? Um, challenging? Are there strategic ways that you've done it that you've found fruitful? And we want you to share that with other ministry leaders. Yeah. In fact, what's the most creative outreach that you've done yeah. in the last year would be a great way to respond to that question as well. Absolutely. Um, but I would also love to hear some of your Matt Rice stories where you're out at a restaurant and all of a sudden, <laughs> next thing you know, the waiter or waitress is sitting next to you, the server is sitting next to you, sharing their story. And, yep. um, and yeah, I mean, it's just some of your stories are absolutely amazing and it's inspiring. So, uh, and the sheer number of former Catholics that are out there, like 80% of the people you run into are going to be former Catholics. Have some connection. Yeah, there's some the connection. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, as we wrap up, how can our listeners find us? You guys can find us on Facebook, on our Facebook group. Just look for MLA Podcast. We're on Twitter, the same handle, MLA Podcast. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, MLAPodcast.com. And you can email us at MLA at ablazeyouth.org. You can write us a review on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. Please do and share this with uh, another ministry leader. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, go ahead and do that as well. Great. So you guys, here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to get outside your home field and into your parish boundary. Amen. We'll see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.